In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is and ever shall be. Thank you. Beloved in Christ, I start by wishing a happy Father's Day to all of the, uh, the fathers and godfathers out there. And I want to encourage the fathers. You know, that word encourage means to give courage. And I want to give you courage. Give you courage to live out your vocation as fathers of your families, inspired by the humble love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Humble, yes, but not passive. The love of our Lord, which should inspire us to lead our families. The fathers of the church unanimously bear witness to the fact that the greatest effort and the greatest gift that parents can give their children is to live a serious spiritual life themselves. Someone was at the monastery a while back and they were speaking to a priest there and he said, one of the greatest things that can happen is for your children to come down at night to get a drink of water or to use the restroom and to find you doing prostrations before your icons. What's more common for them to find us? Hmm. What's on the news right now? Or on our phones or watching television? What if they saw us in front of the icons? What if they, they caught us in prayer? What an example that would be to them. And we all need that encouragement. Parents of families in particular. But then what of us who live in homes where no one is looking? God is still seeing what we're doing. All the more a reason to humbly bow before the icons and cross ourselves and to cry out to Him endlessly rather than endlessly preoccupying ourselves with other things. And it's a beautiful and glorious life, beloved in Christ, to freely pursue our Lord Jesus. And so on this Father's Day, I want to encourage you all, fathers, lead your families in such a way. And thank you for the sacrifices that you've made on behalf of your families. May God continue to grant all of us wisdom. Today in the Holy Orthodox Church, the Sunday after Pentecost, we celebrate the Feast of All Saints. And we had a beautiful reading last night after Vespers from the Synaxorion about the meaning of this commemoration this, and how it came to be. It's very likely that it began a commemoration of all of those who have died bearing witness to the faith martyrs. We properly call those martyrs who have died for their faith, because as you know, the word martyr means witness. And the greatest witness that you can give to, to the value of something in your life is to give your life up for it. And we hear throughout the gospel this high calling to Christians, anyone who would come after our Lord Jesus. And we heard it yesterday as well during the baptism service. Anyone who'd come after him must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow him. Living in the tension between death and life and life and death. Dying yet living. Living yet dying. That's the call of the Christian. 
And with time, this feast came to commemorate not only those who had died bearing witness to their faith, but lived bearing witness to the faith, which itself is also a kind of death, isn't it? And a kind of foolishness that the world does not understand. But you know what? We're called to be fools in certain ways. Those who would systematically persecute Christianity would always see as their highest success their greatest triumph to get a Christian to deny their faith. It's actually a pure, a, a last ditch effort for them to kill them. It means that they've lost. I can't change your mind and I can't convert you. Therefore, I just have to offer you. And I was thinking in a more subtle way, one of the greater forms of persecutions and one of the greater triumphs of the enemy of life, the enemy of life, the devil and his minions, would to get us to think in some way, to believe in some little way, that there's something more powerful, more effectual, greater than Christ in our life. It could be the phone, could be the internet, could be the income, but just something that we're a little more dependent on than Christ doesn't need to be much. Just takes a little nick to make a fissure, a crack in that solid foundation that we have, that we claim to have, before it crumbles. That's something that we in particular need to be aware of and questioning ourselves in all honesty. When we challenge ourselves with this question, one of the ways that we can evaluate ourselves honestly is to think what prompts me to fear, what makes me fearful, what makes me anxious, what gives me that feeling in my stomach of unease that makes me feel helpless. It's usually something there in that place that prompts that feeling that has that power in our lives, something that needs to be addressed. The saints are those, the word saint means Holy, Holy One, comes from the Latin word sanctus in Greek. It's just agios, which means holy. And so these are holy ones, the, the ones who have taken seriously the opportunity to attain to the likeness of Christ, who didn't seek to bear witness to themselves, but the church affirms their holiness, their Christ-likeness, their transparency to Christ such that to encounter them is in a way to encounter Christ. Despite the challenges around them, and often the seeming impossibilities that the world would throw at them. And in thinking about the witness of the saints to us and to the world, and their manner of inspiration, I started reflecting on the reality that Christianity is really a way, a way of the heart. 
We like that word heart a lot in the Orthodox tradition. When I was a, a young student of Bible and theology, I realized that there was an essential disconnect between what was going on here and what was going on here in the heart. What's going on in the head and what's going on in the heart. And I remember thinking and praying to God, is there some way for us to unite the two? Maybe if, if we could traverse the gap between the two, bridge it. If we could make what is unnaturally two into one, maybe we could start to make some progress. And lo and behold, that's the entire effort that we're setting out to accomplish in the Orthodox Church. To overcome the false dichotomy between praxis and theoria, between theory and action, between thought and deed, between works and faith. They're one, beloved in Christ, and the saints bear witness to the reality of that. You live in accordance with what you believe. The best word for it is integrity. Integrity means something that is consistent with itself. And our goal is to overcome hypocrisy, the opposite of integrity, and live lives as whole persons, which can be done by the grace of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It reminded me of a beautiful story Not specifically from the lives of the saints, but it could be. Today I'm seeking, you to, seeking to inspire you to take, desire, to take seriously the opportunity to live in orthodoxy of the heart. And so I'm sharing a little story about a little boy who was rushed to a hospital emergency room. After urgent examinations, the doctor said to him, I will open your heart. And the little boy stopped short. And he said, In my heart you will find Christ. Surgeon looked at him strangely, as he did not believe, and he nodded his head, and he said, I will open your heart and I will see the damages caused by your illness. You can already see the conflict there, that little, that little sliver of doubt, rationalism. I'll open your heart and I'll see what I see. Yes, but when you open my heart, you will find Christ. The boy said. The doctor took a curious look at his parents sitting quietly beside him and continued, When I see the damage, I will close your heart and chest and decide what to do. The boy continued, Yes, but you will find Christ in my heart. The Bible says that Christ dwells there. All the hymns of the church say that Christ dwells there, in our heart. You will find him in my heart. The 
cardiac surgeon said, I'll tell you exactly what I'll find in your heart. I'll find a damaged heart muscle, a decreased blood flow, and weakened blood vessels. And then I can, once I know, do you good. And you will also find Christ who's there. The little boy said, The doctor came out of the exam room, annoyed by the child. A little witness he was. As he had predicted, he he underwent surgery. The injuries were significant, as he had predicted. According to the image of the exam, he couldn't do anything. When the surgery was over, he sat at his desk to write down notes on the operation. A broken aorta, a damaged pulmonary vein, Extensive muscle degeneration, no hope of a transplant, no hope of healing, treatment, painkillers, and complete rest. Prediction paused. Death will come in time. He left the computer and got up. As if addressing, addressing Christ, whom he didn't believe in. (laughs) He exclaimed, Why? Why did you do this? You sent him here. You sent him with this evil. He is sentenced to die of this evil. Why? Why? Then in the depths of it, he heard a voice answering, This child is not destined to live in your flock long term. This child belongs to my flock, and so it will be forever. Here in my flock, there is no pain. He will be comforted as much as you can imagine. Someday his parents will meet him here and get to know the peace. My flock will continue to grow. Tears were now running down the eyes of the cardiac surgeon. But his sentiments against God, full of selfishness, responded within him. You have created this creature. You've made his heart. He's doomed to die within a few months. Why? The voice inside replied, The child has to go back to my flock because he has done his job. I did not bring my child to earth to lose him, but to find another lost sheep. The doctor understood that this child did not come here by accident. He came for him. He had received a Christian education. Memories danced in his mind because of his many professional accomplishments. His soul had become, therefore, his last care. He went into the child's ward, sat on his bed facing his parents, The boy woke up and yelled, Did you open my heart? Yes, the doctor replied excitedly. And what did you find? The young man asked. I found Christ, he said. I found Christ crying like the little child that he was 50 years ago. The child and the doctor became best friends. You hear stories about those who have gone before 
living their faith with such zeal and courage and fervor. You read them like you're reading a fantasy tale or something. You read them as if it's something so distant, so far away, so far removed from you and your own experience, without realizing that they were people who lived and felt and cared and feared and hungered and tired just like you and I. They rose to the occasion that was presented to them. They were called into the world at a particular place, in a particular time. And they decided to take God seriously, the call of God on their lives seriously, in that particular place and in that particular time. The question I always want to ask is, will we? Will we take the call of God in our lives seriously at this particular place and at this particular time? You could say he's just a child. Okay, we're called to be like little children then. We get so caught up, easily caught up in our sophistication, as I often remind you. Our sophisticated views of God and faith and our philosophical approach to things that we forget that God is there. In our baptism, at our chrismation, a little seed is planted. The seed of the life of God will be cultivated and see what kind of fruit will be born forth. And the fruit that's born is not for us to pull off and enjoy ourselves. It's for the will of God to be done in our lives. And the interesting thing about this child is that he wasn't trying to prove anything to himself or anyone else. He just believed in Christ. If you read the lives of the saints and martyrs who have gone before, they didn't say, okay, today I'm really going to go bear witness to Christ finally. No, I'm going to do it. I didn't do it yesterday, but I'm going to do it tomorrow. They just continued living their lives as Christians, regardless of the circumstances, trusting in God. Their manner of life flowed from their very being, which was them conceding, them admitting, them giving up, giving themselves over to the fact that my life is not my own, it never has been, and it never will be. The life of the Christian is one that's hidden with Christ in God. I was reading St. Justin Popovich. He wrote a, a commentary, an introduction to the lives of the saints. And he said probably 50 times, the saints are, do, 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 the saints are enumerating the beautiful teachings. But one of the things that struck me is the saints are those for whom everything that they have is Christ's first and then theirs second. That's another good criterion to live by. Everything that we have is Christ's first and then ours second entrusted to us by a God who loves us. So beloved in Christ, on this day, the Feast of All Saints, I do want you to fall in love with Christ who was wondrous in His saints as we heard right before the epistle reading that proclamation of the psalmist. God is wondrous in His saints, yes. Awesome to His enemies through those who have 
given themselves over to Him and have become like Him. May He be wondrous in our lives as well as we put our hope in Him. One of my favorite quotes of recent days is by a newly recognized St. Amphilochios who said, when someone opens your heart, I would like him to find nothing there but Christ. When someone opens your heart, when they look into the being, the core of your being, if they could see what it is that defines you, may they find Christ and Christ alone. But he can't fill that which is already full. So let us make room for him in our hearts, in our lives, in our homes, in all that we do, beloved, in Christ. And be inspired by those faithful witnesses who have gone before us, the great cloud of witnesses who yet intercede for us so that we might finish the race of this life well. So that we can run, run, run with patience the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, always, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen.